the first chapter of Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. It's great to be with you, and uh, if my kids saw that Minecraft video, they would have melted down in excitement, and we'd probably have to move here, so I'm not sure that I can bring them next when they come later on, but uh, that was fabulous. Uh, well done, whoever did that. Let's, let's pray, 
and then uh, we'll really get stuck into this just magnificent book. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks so we can be uh, here together as your people. And as we hear your word, we ask uh, that we will seek to be transformed by it, to live by it. We thank you for your grace and compassion. Amen. Now let me ask you, do you know some people that you've known for a long time, but you don't really know a great deal about them? Maybe someone you grew up with, you went to school with them all your schooling days and you knew them, but you never really knew a lot about them. You were friends with them, you liked them, they just kind of were there all the time. Maybe it's someone at work that you've worked with for a long time but, and you get on well, but you don't really know them that well. I, I, I had a mate I went to school with, I still saw in adult years, and I never knew that this guy liked knitting. It, I just never knew that. He was an acquaintance. I kind of feel like Jonah, certainly, I don't know for you, but for my life, he's kind of been that. He's always been there. I've always kind of known the whale and the story, because you know, it's just that. It's just a kind of out there story. It's a story that you kind of know that God's talking about what he does and, and Jonah's not being a, a good little prophet. But I wonder, do we really know it well? I think over the last month or so, as I've really started to spend a lot more time in it, Jonah moves from being an acquaintance that's kind of always there and an interesting story to something that pierces the heart. You see, because I think the book of Jonah, Jonah, sorry, I just get used to the clicker. The book of Jonah shows us about the heart of God. It shows us the heart of God time and time again. And our goal during this series, our goal during this series will be to actually think about God's heart. And what I want us to do as we think about God's heart is every time we kind of have this image on the screen, we're, we're once again examining who God is at his core. What motivates him? What is his engine room? What does he really care about? And what Jonah actually also does is it flips it to us and exposes who we are. And so our application throughout the whole series each, each week, over the three weeks, will be examining our hearts, exposing our heart, as we'll do that at the end this week. And as we do that, the challenge is for us to not just leave what we learn in Jonah in our head, but to let it examine our heart, expose our heart, and ultimately change it to align with God's heart. And I think in Jonah we do this by meeting the characters over and over and over again in that coming back to them, reading about what happened, seeing them from different angles and thinking through uh, how God is interacting with them. What are their attitudes? And I want to suggest to you over these three weeks that Jonah has three big overlapping ideas. Grace and compassion, which is what we'll focus on today. Grace and compassion is who God is. We'll also see the other, the other big ideas over the next two weeks of 
God concerns about the nations. God concerns about, is concerned about the nations and is concerned for mission. And we'll kind of narrow in on that on our last week, actually. And next week, we'll see this concern for the nations, this uh, passion for mission is actually about salvation. It's about salvation which requires repentance and forgiveness for a relationship. And I think what actually happens in Jonah is these themes kind of inter. Uh, a kind of overlap and interwoven amongst each other and you kind of once you see one of them you see how that relates to the other and they kind of roll through and I think that's what we'll see over these three weeks and I think what we'll see is that grace and compassion is kind of the one that the other two spring out of and so what we should do is we should get to know this book a bit better. And can I encourage you over the next few weeks, just read Jonah over and over and ask yourselves questions about it. What, why is he thinking that? Why did he do that? How did God respond to that? But doesn't that mean this? Asking those questions uh, really help us see who God is. Before we delve right into uh, in depth, Let's just get this overview, a, a non-Minecraft overview of the whole picture. You see, the picture in Jonah is that God comes to the prophet with a clear instruction. Go to the Ninevites, preach judgment and wickedness because they have a big problem. And as we saw, Jonah goes in the other direction. You see, th- what he does is he goes completely oh, the other way. There he is over Joppa is where he gets on the boat. Tarshish is way over there, and Nineveh is in the other direction. God's saying, go that way. God's prophet turns the other way. On the boat, we see there's the big storm. The sailors are freaking out about this storm, and Jonah's sleeping. They come to their, their gods, hoping that maybe they'll, uh, they'll deal with the situation, but it doesn't work, so they try and get Jonah just in case he has something to offer. And Jonah identifies his God as being Yahweh, the Creator. And the sailors freak out. You go through, go through the passage, and it's not Jonah who offers sacrifices uh, and vows to God. Uh, it's the sailors. Jonah gets thrown into the sea. He's willing to die. And the fish comes and gets him. The fish comes and get, uh, gets him and Jonah's in the belly and there's this amazing prayer which next week we'll delve into in great, in great depth. What is going on? Is this a good prayer? Is this a bad prayer? What is Jonah thinking? But what he's saying is, I called out to God, God's responded to me and here I am in the depths of death and I'm still alive. Death's encompassing him in, any, in as much as you could imagine. Being inside a fish is just bizarre, isn't it? And then you get Jonah saying, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And so he's in his proud way, he says, I'll give thanksgiving to God. Because God is the one that salvation uh, comes from. And as those words are uttered, the fish vomits. And out comes Jonah. Imagine that. Imagine if you went down to the whale centre... And there's pictures on the wall of this man standing after he's just come out of a whale. It'd be rancid. It'd be disgusting. It's just bizarre. 
Imagine if that's what was down there. This is what had happened. This fish had vomited him out and in some way this extraordinary salvation, this unexpected salvation which we need to consider, has taken place. And so we start again in the story. Go to Nineveh. I'm not doing that. I'm going to Tarshish. Go to Nineveh, uh, Jonah, in chapter 3, and he does this time. He goes to Nineveh. He proclaims judgment. 40 days, and Nineveh will be overturned. And lo and behold, they repent. They believed this message of God's. Even the king of Nineveh, maybe the kind of ruling official of Nineveh itself, this city of Assyria, he acknowledges this proclamation. He says that they should respond in a way that means, you know what, we need to do everything we can to show God that we're serious about repenting because he may relent. We can't guarantee it, but he may. And then God saw this. And what does he have? Compassion. And he doesn't destroy them. And then the story finishes in chapter 4, and Jonah, who's God's prophet, who says what God uh, says and then should be happy about it, was greatly displeased and became angry. Are you kidding, Jonah? He becomes angry and he prays to God. And he says in his prayer that God's gracious and compassionate. But not because that's good in his eyes. He can't believe that God did that. And the Lord replies to him, seriously, Jonah, are you kidding me? He says in Jonah 4, 4, have you any right to be angry? And then there's a little drama with a bit of shade that uh, God provides for Jonah. He likes it. God takes it away. And Jonah gets angry again. He just wants to die. He's confronted with God's grace and his response, God's prophet, is to die. And it ends, the whole drama ends, not with Jonah and his resolution. Should I not be concerned about that great city, God says. What a spectacular story. What a spectacular drama. Where do we start? Where do we start with this drama? Well, if we go back right to the beginning of chapter 1 and just get that clear in our heads, that God sent, sent him there. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. This is what he tells him to do. God sends his prophet for judgment. And at this point, it just seems he's telling him that they're bad. Tell them they're bad. And in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, what do we read? Well, we read this, that Jonah flees. Jonah ran away from the Lord, doesn't he? He runs away, and then it ends at chapter th uh, verse 3. He flees from the Lord. He runs away and he flees and goes in the opposite direction. Now, the thing about Jonah is it's kind of a comedy. It's comical. It's kind of ridiculous. God's prophet, if you think about it, God's prophet. The role of a prophet to speak God's word has been given God's word and instead of just not even doing it, he runs away from the sovereign Lord who he says later on is the one who made everything, kind of knows where he's going. It's kind of comical. It's ridiculous. And we see that, that kind of ridiculous comedy play out in the way that what we see what God does in verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea 
And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. <gasps> Jonah's running away. God says, oh no, what am I going to do? He's escaping what I want him to do. I can't believe it. How am I going to tell Nineveh their problem? No. You want to go in the ocean, Nineveh? Okay, then there's the waves. You're going to escape me? I don't think so. It's ridiculous. He's about to destroy the boat that Jonah is on. How do we think this through? Where does God's graciousness and compassion come from? Well, let's have a look at what God does with the characters in this story. What does God do with these sailors? What does he do with them? They cry out to many different gods in chapter 1 there if you read through it. They cried out in verse 5, each to his own God. Then, when they hear about Yahweh, they're freaking out. They're terrified. Maybe they know of the, the Yahweh and the stories of the Exodus. Maybe they know of the great deeds that the Israelites talk about of this God. Is this the God that's behind this? Verse 14. They cried, cried to the Lord, Please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. All of a sudden, when they've realized the, all that they can do, all that they can do is throw him overboard. Even when they didn't want to throw him overboard, God's prophet wants to die, and the sailors don't want to do it. It's all kind of screw, skew if. What do we see? We see them responding rightly and God giving them some grace. Now, I think we see the sailors being genuine here. I think the sailors genuinely are crying out to the Lord. Now, maybe it's genuine, but now it's just one of many of the other gods that they've cried out to. But there's a genuineness. And then when the God responds by what does he do? It's calm. When he responds by the raging seas growing calm, just simply like that, they respond with sacrifice and making vows to this God. They feared the Lord. You see, God responds simply and easily with mercy. He responds with a rescue of these sailors. And maybe there's a sense that they've repented. A hint of grace from God. What does God do with the big party that's involved in this story, where it's all heading towards? To the Ninevites. Well, in chapter 3, the, ju the judgment is proclaimed once Jonah finally gets there. And what does God do? Well, verse 10 of chapter 3, God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways and he had compassion for them. You see, that's what he did. He had compassion. He's provided grace and compassion for these uh, people. They, the extraordinary nature of this, though, can't be kind of ignored. This isn't a little group of people that kind of said some rude words. This is a group of people that are wicked to the core, whose whole operating system as a nation is violence and to destroy. They really do resonate with the idea of terrorism in many ways, in the way they operated. 
They were violent, they were destructive, they treated each other horribly and they pillaged and destroyed nations. And God saw that they believed him, that they genuinely repented in some way and we'll talk a bit more about that next week. And he has compassion. This should kind of all all of a sudden jolt us a little bit, I think. God's compassion can stretch that far to a people like that. Then what does God do with his prophet, Jonah? (laughs) This prophet who flees from God, it is comical. I don't know whether you've ever had um, uh, family members or whether you as a kid tried to run away from home, the place which is uh, safe for you and you run away from it just because you you chose to. My uh, seven-year-old daughter sometimes comes up with funny things and she was just angry at us for something. Maybe she was on her bed in trouble and she said, I've had enough of this family. No one understands me. I have done nothing wrong. I am packing my backpack. I'm taking marshmallows and I am running away tomorrow to go camping. It was very detailed. It was very thorough. It was very bizarre. We just kind of laughed and then tried to... Because it's comical. She didn't mean it, actually. But that's how ridiculous Jonah is. He's a nonsense. And yet, Jonah received salvation, rescue in the water. Unexpected salvation in verse 17. Verse 17 of chapter 1, The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Three days and three nights is worth us reflecting a bit too, isn't it? We'll do that next week. You see, this was strange and unexpected. No one could imagine this happening. And he, he's in, in this fish, facing death, and yet he's not dead. Jonah did not repent. There's not even a hint of repentance like the sailors. He just said, kill me. Then you'll be, maybe you'll be all right, because it's my problem. God's got the issue with me. He did absolutely nothing. Even to be in the fish was grace for this prophet. And while he's in there, in chapter 2, he acknowledges that God saved him when death is just encroaching all around him. And his salvation continues on as he's vomited out from near death to new life. You see, grace and compassion from God is that his prophet, even when he's so obstinate, has received his compassion. And yet, Jonah is still angry and bitter. And why is he angry and bitter? Because he's received grace and compassion from God and then when he sees God provide that to the Ninevites, he just can't handle it. He hates it. See, what does God do with Jonah? Well, he's just provided nothing but grace. And Jonah has provided nothing but rebellion. You see... 
looking at these characters, we get a little picture into God's heart. It's what we see. You see, what we see with God is his compassion. We see time and time again God being concerned for people. We see the sailors and we see the sea being quenched. We see Nineveh so wicked and so violent and God relenting. And we see his obstinate prophet and God has provided a way out instead of giving him what he asked. See, lost people have been given compassion and they don't deserve it. That's what we've seen in Jonah. And this grace and compassion really is for the nations. It really is pointing to us towards salvation. It really is. One of those key verses, verse 17, the Lord um, of chapter 1, the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. That is extraordinary. It really is significant in chapter 2. We see Jonah... Uh, says salvation comes from the Lord even though when it's not the way he likes it, he hates it. It really is a challenge for us to consider, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents and prevents calamity. You see, as we start to think about God's heart, Jonah has displayed it there for us on the screen in all its spectacular glory. But as we think about God's heart, we're confronted with Jonah didn't like it. Do we like it? That's the challenge that we have. You see, how well do you know this God? That is the question that you need to ask yourself. How well do you know him? the depths of his undeserved favour. See, grace is not an intellectual exercise. It's not something that you just need to remember. Okay, in Jonah, I now know, I've got it clear, it's all about the fact that I do nothing. They did nothing, I do nothing, that's grace. That's part of it. But when you know that, it seeps into your heart and it transforms who you are. It's how God interacts with us. Back at T&E, we're looking at Galatians. And Galatians is all about the fact that you can't add anything to what God has done. If you add anything to what God has done, you don't know God's grace that well. I wonder you could ask yourself the question, how many tales of God's compassion in the Bible can I recall And then maybe ask the question, recall with joy. See, if we're going to think about God's heart, we need to ask ourselves the question, is God still conditional in my eyes? I love grace, but not when it's here, or not in this part of my life, or not 
to those people. I love grace and I love the way God is as long as I don't have to go to or as long as I don't have to leave beautiful Victor. I'll love grace if I can stay here. I'll love God as long as things are okay for me. His grace is great and it's easy to believe, but what if loved ones start dying? When your brother is so sick, your younger brother is so sick that he's about to die any moment from cancer and you've had to care for him and look after him, you're not sure whether he knows this grace of Jesus and you do, and he's dying. Mm, I'm not sure that I can really full-heartedly trust in God's grace. Is your God compassionate? We shouldn't expect to fully understand his compassion. I don't think we could, the depths of it. But if we get back to Jesus, if we read his life, and we read a biography of Jesus' life and we, thinking, and we think about how is Jesus compassionate, you will see God himself come as man concerned about the plight of those in trouble time and time and time again to the point where that concern he has puts him on a cross where he dies for his enemies because he sees their plight and has compassion for them. And on the cross, he says to his father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He has so much compassion. Is your God compassionate? See, as we think about God, our hearts become exposed. We examine our hearts. And God's heart needs to change yours. You see, the grace of God we see in Jonah is the same grace that can change you. Simply put, I was driving down here today and I was listening to a song and it was just beautifully put, grace is bigger than your sin. How good is that? God's undeserved favour to you Seeing with Jesus on the cross is bigger than anything you've done. And if you want to come to God with anything else, you're in trouble. But if you want to rest in the fact that no matter what you've done, no matter how bad, His grace is bigger, your heart is changed and you have life with Him through Jesus. You acknowledge what Jonah said but didn't love. A gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love. You see, Jonah is not the only one who is supposed to be exposed in this uh, great book. None of us can say we have moments that aren't like Jonah, I don't think. That we always have compassion for others and that we hate it when God does uh, we, we, we love it when God always does, rather. I think one of the words that sticks out for me in Jonah is being overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by God's grace, grace and compassion. The question is, does that being overwhelmed make me want to flee to his mercy or flee 
away from him. He will make himself known. He is mighty and will be made known to the nations. And all of us need to be more like him. We need to care about mission. And so we'll look at that in a couple of weeks. We need to understand the salvation that he provides. And we need to remember that all people matter. You see, if all people matter, we need to make sure we never say, I'm not a racist, but. We need to make sure that we're not, as one of the commentators said about Jonah, I think it's really spot on, he was a theological racist. He despised, with a searing hatred, the Assyrians. The Ninevites, he did not like. And I think we have to not play the game of, I'm not a racist, I'm not a racist. I think we actually need to be more humble than that. And I think actually what Christians should do is acknowledge even we all had the capacity to treat other groups poorly. What if Victor was to change so drastically that you had 40 new different cultures all at the same time move in? Now it's going to be changed life and things like that which may not uh, be what you desire but what is your attitude to those people? The Adam's good, Adam Good saga is interesting. Not because we need to come down and make a clear statement on that, but because one of the big things that people have been doing throughout the whole saga is saying, it's not about racism, it's not about racism. And tipping point, it's all about racism, it's all about racism. No one's actually stopping and thinking, maybe we all just had the capacity to treat other groups badly, especially when we're in groups ourselves. And maybe this has got out of control. Having to label it as racism or not is, no, is, is ridiculous when actually what is happening here is this, this guy has been treated poorly. It seems like it's because of his indigenous background, to my way of thinking. And that's not, it's not on. How do we think about other people? Do you hate compassion and grace when it's to other groups that are like the Assyrians? How will you speak to people? Do you speak to people in an inclusive way or about people? Or are you wanting to include people in groups? Uh, Do you want to provide a way for people to hear about Jesus? Or do you just like the notion of it? Jesus breaks down the wall far greater than what we see in Jonah. In Ephesians chapter 2, we won't go into it now for time, but if you go to Ephesians chapter 2, the two great enemies can now be God's people. The Gentiles and the Jews, because of Jesus on the cross, can have peace with each other. There is no people group that we should not love. There is no uh, place anywhere for us to think that just because of their wickedness, we despise them. But as we wrap up, there is one kind of moment that we need to consider. They are so bad. They are beyond bad, these guys. They are despicable. 
and it's confronting. There is a sense when we should relate to Jonah. He is being told to jump in to one of the great cities that is threatening the very existence of God's people. We need to see the rawness of this. I find that really confronting. I really do. But then as I'm confronted by how wicked the Ninevites are, we have to come back and ask the question, in reality, in relation to God, are we any better? You see, what we've been driven to this uh, whole uh, uh, talk today is one question. A question that hopefully you can start to answer. A question that Jonah is pushing us towards. Do you want your heart to be the same as the gracious and compassionate God. Put up on the screen there, just to reflect as we finish. Do you want your heart to be the same as the gracious and compassionate God? You need to come to Jonah and see he goes to Nineveh. You need to go to Nineveh and see what they are like. You need to be confronted with a God who cares for all without them deserving any of his care and compassion. Is that what you want your heart to be like? That's what I'm going to pray for now. Heavenly Father, there's so much in Jonah that points us to your great heart of grace and compassion. Expose ours so that we can turn it to yours. We thank you that in your Son we have life. In your Son we can have great, your great favour. Turn us uh, from the heart of rebellion and turn us to a heart of of grace and compassion. Amen.